Hi, everybody. Welcome to Busy Living So Busy Living So Busy Living So It's episode 196. 196 episodes. And here I am by myself today. Well, that's not really true. Miss Lily's here with me. I have to show everybody who's watching on Instagram. There she is. Say hi, Lily. Lily's here, the little puppy dog. Me and my girl, we're here. We're coming to you, talking to you about fear. I know I talk about it a lot because I think that it is such an important thing to recognize in our lives is how much we spend in fear, right? We spend so much of our lives in fear. What are we fearful of? What are we so fearful of? But a lot of things we're fearful of. I can tell you that for me. And um, it's interesting. It's the... Um, the longer, it doesn't, I, I, I really don't, I, time it does not really matter in terms of recovery. I have to be honest with you. I think that it's like, you know, I might have 14 years. I might have 14 days. I might be more fearful and able to identify what I'm more fearful of at 14 years than I was at 14 days. But that fear is still in my life, right? It didn't disappear because I got sober. It's just, I can identify what I'm feeling rather than going to the place of going, I don't know what I'm feeling, but I know I don't like it. And I might call it anxiety. I might call it anger. I might call it many other adjectives, but I think at the root of it all, it's we're scared. We're scared. We're not going to get what we want. And we're scared. If we have what we want, we're not going to keep it. And we're scared of change, right? I think that's a valid point. I think that's why everybody today in our world is so frightened. There's so many things to be frightened about, right? Like, so if we think about what we're frightened of, we're frightened of COVID, right? Some people are frightened of the election and who may win and who may not win. And if their person that they really want to win is gonna win and if their person that they really don't wanna win, wins. So all that is fear, right? So all that's fear. And that's like on a huge level. But then in our personal lives, like what are we scared of? We're scared our family isn't going to stay able to, I don't know, make a mortgage payment, pay our rent. We're not going to be able to pay for our cars. I'm not going to have a job. I mean, I could go, my, my list of what fears could be, could go on ad nauseum. Like there's just so many things to be afraid of. And I think that the key is identifying what it is you're scared of. I think that's the huge part. It's like getting to the place that goes, okay, this is what I'm scared of. And then taking it one step further. So, okay, I'm going to say, I have a, tr I, I don't have, today I don't have as many fears as I had when I had 14 days, or I'm going to even say 14 months, okay, or 14 weeks. Um, but I can tell you for a long time, I was scared, am I going to be okay? Am I going to have a house for my kids? Because I went through a lot of financial insecurity when I got divorced. When I got divorced and I walked away from my husband, I, for one, was drinking a lot and I had no sense of security whatsoever, really. In all honesty, I was like, oh my God, how am I going to do this? How am I going to raise these kids? How am I going to do this financially? Yes, I had a college degree, but no, I didn't have a trade. I mean, I had a communications degree. I wanted to talk which I do now, which is like the best thing in the whole entire world is starting this podcast because it's what I've always wanted to do. And um, 
I have to say a side note, like thank you to everybody that reaches out to me all the time because it's just amazing. I just love to hear from my listeners. It, you have no idea how much it helps me. But um, that fear I had, I remember being in my house going, oh my God, is somebody going to come? I, I didn't make a mortgage payment. I remember saying to my kids, don't answer the door. Um, the, the person's going to come here. Um, I had like... And when I was drinking, all those financial insecurities were totally there. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reverse a little bit here. I'm going to go back to when I was married. And I remember my ex-husband and I would be, and I'm getting really honest here with you people today. Um, I remember my ex-husband and um, we were married. I had three young, very young, small kids. So this was 16 years ago. Um, longer. Kent was even, you know, it was a long time ago. So my kids, I have three little kids that were born in 96, 97, 99. So I have these three little kids and my, my oldest son's going to a private school that's really expensive. And my, his father was paying for it. And like my ex-husband wasn't paying for, like he wasn't doing what he said he was going to do. Right. So there was this large purple elephant in our life. Like, and I would try not to acknowledge the fact that we couldn't pay for things, even though we had a house we couldn't afford. I was driving a car we couldn't afford. He wasn't really paying for health insurance. It was like a lot of scary, scary, scary things. And I remember just being like, get me another drink. I just can't take this. It's just, I'm so scared. I'm so scared. And I have no control over anything because I don't have enough money to write a check for all this stuff. And he's, like just like there he's like spinning out of control over there in the corner and i'm sitting here in fear and i'm just like get me another drink get me another drink and and um i remember one night i it was like towards the end of my marriage we weren't sleeping in the same room or anything and it was really scary and i was like i knew that he hadn't been paying for the car right so i'm like he hasn't been paying for the car and holy shit and he hadn't been paying for, for health insurance too. That's all. We'll get to the health insurance next. So we'll talk about the car first. Cause so I drove this, I had a suburban and I had three little babies, right? Like I had three babies, three car seats, the whole nine yards. It was crazy. And I had big kids, all the rest of it. So I had this big car <clears throat> and I was like, how am I going to pay for this? And, and I start getting letters that say, oh my gosh, you know, if you don't pay this bill, this is going to happen, right? So you get, you, you see these letters coming in the mail and you're like, oh my God, here comes another one. What am I going to do? I can't pay for it. And the number's going up and up and up and up and up. And then they're like, they're going like, if you don't pay us, something else is going to happen. And you're like, oh my God, I, how am I going to pay for it? How am I going to pay for it? I can't pay for this by myself. What am I going to do? So my ex-husband was going out one night and I literally, I, 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 I could hear something come down the driveway and I kind of recognized that it was probably a large truck and it happened to be a tow truck. And there I am in my Lily Pulitzer pajamas and here comes the repo man. Now the, the repo man I'd only seen on TV. I mean, the repo man was kind of scary, right? You're like, Oh my God, the repo man's coming. I mean, in scary movies, the repo man, you know, looks like somebody's scary and daunting. And I remember running out of my ex husband wasn't even there and running out of my house and going, wait, 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 before you take my car, can I have my car seats back? <laughs> can I have my, um, can I get my CDs out of the car? That's how long ago it was. Can I get CDs out of the car? And he let me do that. I remember he let me take all my stuff and then he took the car. 
And that was like, okay, this stuff is getting real. This is real, right? This is all real. And again, my drinking is now like my drinking. This is when my drinking, I think like took the next level again, because I had all this stuff going on that I was like, oh my God, this is uh, like, what am I going to do? Luckily I, I, I called my grandmother. She helped me get a car. So I ended up getting a, a used car and it worked. And I had that car till it literally almost blew up. But, um, but that was the fear, but I lived through it. Right. I lived through it. I grew to know, okay, repro men aren't that scary actually. And, um, I'm going to be okay. I can figure this out. I'm going to figure this out. I'm going to get a used car. I'm going to figure it out. And I did. And then the health insurance, that was really, really, really scary. Now, mind you, I'm living in a very nice neighborhood and I live in a great zip code. My kids go to a great public school and I, my son was going to that private school. I was like, done, that's done. We're going to public school. I just made the decision. I'm like, I know that um, society says he should be going to this school. And you know, I, I, you know, the whole family had gone to this school. His father had gone to the school. My grandfather's have been to the school. That, 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 that has this great school. And I'm like, but the gig's up. Like, I can't afford to pay for him to go to this school. Let's be honest. I can't afford for him to go there. I mean, and to have his father pay for him to go there. Okay, that's not happening anymore. He's going to public school. And then all my kids went to public school. And so I moved. I remember when I finally got divorced and I moved to uh, I moved to a different school district, which was better for them. And I and I rented a house. That's when I was really, really drinking a lot. And I was drinking a lot and I'm living in this house and I'm paying rent and my kids are now going to public school, which is amazing, an amazing gift that I could get them here and have them have the education that I thought was so imperative for them. But it's like, again, it's admitting like, I can't afford to send my kids to this school. Just so you guys all know, like I'm not getting grandparents to pay for it anymore. For me to pay for it myself is not happening, but I can pay to live in this town and have them go to the private, to public school down the street. So I did that. And then I did that. And then the health insurance, that was scary too. Like my, my ex-husband stopped paying for my kids' health insurance. And I was like, holy shit, now what am I supposed to do? And remind, I, I think I've talked about it a bunch. It's like, I was so about image management, like me fitting in properly in my town of beautiful wealth and everything else. I wanted to fit in in the town and financially I really couldn't. I really couldn't. I mean, I could get play the part. I could wear the right outfits. I could do all of that. But financially, I was not matching what I was doing, right? So I, um, I remember my son was supposed to go to camp. And they were like, okay, he doesn't have any health insurance. How am I going to send him to camp when he has no health insurance? Okay, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go apply for welfare. Can you imagine? I did that. I did it. How scary was that? It was scary walking into that place and doing that. It was scary, but I did it. You know, all these things that I sat there and I was like, oh my God, there's no resources. There are resources for people. It's getting into action. I knew I didn't want to stay on welfare for the rest of my life. I knew I didn't want to stay in health insurance for the rest of my life. But while I was there, I had to say, help, help, and make those steps, not to stay there forever and not to be humiliated because people think it's bad to do that, but to be realize that, you know what, I've got to do this. I have no other options. My kids need health insurance. I didn't use the other stuff that came along with it, but just the health insurance. 
I, you know, I, I didn't use the food stamps. I gave those back to the community and I didn't use like the free lunches at school and all the rest of it that came along with this, but I did use the health insurance and my kids, I mean, saying this right now, I'm kind of like, oh my God, I'm admitting this on a public level on my podcast to everyone that I had to go through this, but I did. I did. And it was scary. Oh my God. So fearful. Shame. Oh my God. The shame, the shame was so crazy. And, but I had to walk through all these things. Like I had to do it. I had to make sure my kids were going to be okay. And I had to go to that place of going, all right, this is me. And this is where I am. I'm not going to be here forever but I'm working forward in my life. I'm working forward. And, um, it was, um, I remember sending my kids to camp. I couldn't afford to go to camp. I had to get a scholarship. I, I got a scholarship for my kids. Um, I really did all these things that were so, 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 so scary. They were scary. They were scary as shit. They were big things. And I always thought, am I going to be homeless? Am I not? My mortgage got behind, and I was talking about that in the beginning. Like, I used to say to my kids, don't answer the top. They're going to lock it. They're going to take our house. We're not going to have a house. Oh, my God. I remember being, like, not sleeping at night going, oh, my God, where are we going to live? What's going to happen? And the true, honest statement in my heart is the longer that I've stayed sober, the more that I realize that God, God, my higher power. Now, I don't need, it doesn't have to be God, like in a church setting. It doesn't have to be something daunting. It doesn't have to be Jesus Christ hanging from the cross with the thorns and, 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 oh, just that's scary image to me. That's that image of Jesus Christ on the cross. That's scary to me. And I think it's scary to a lot of people, especially for someone that grew up going to church her whole entire life. And I'd see that. And I was just like, oh my gosh, I want God to be beautiful, which he is now. But like that, that image of him was scary. God is like the spirit. It's what I call the universe. It's spirituality. And they say religion is for people who are scared of going to hell and spirituality is for those who have been to hell. And I think us as alcoholics, we've been in hell. Like this whole fear I've been describing to you is hell. Like that is hell on earth, being in fear constantly of what's going to happen next. What's the next thing that's going to happen? And constantly be waiting. Like if your life's going really, really, really well, and you're like, my life is going so good. When is, I can't even enjoy how life, how well life is going because I'm so worried about the next bad thing that's going to happen that I can't even enjoy the joy of the beautifulness that's happening today. Cause I'm constantly in fear of something that's going to happen tomorrow or remorse and shame and bitterness for something that happened yesterday. So I can't enjoy the day. It takes, it zaps everything out of us. So we're constantly living in hell, right? So we don't want to live in hell. We don't want to constantly be waiting for that last, that next shoe to drop and how I'm going to feel in 10 minutes or what terrible thing's going to happen next. And, you know, I have those fears that I just described. I have those fears 110%. I have the fear that everything's going to come crumbling down at any moment. I, um, I was talking to my, actually my therapist about it the other day. I, we had some fine, I, you know, I, I've been dealing with, you know, in life, we, somebody said this to me the other day, you know, in life we have, we get married and we stand before God and our friends and we get married and we marry this person and we're supposed to become one, which I believe is true. And one of us has a strength and one of us has a weakness. 
And we come together because we bring those strength, the other person's weakness and our strength, we come together and it makes it better, right? So then we can grow from that. So right now I have, I'm realizing my husband's got a weakness and I've got a strength. And so we come together and it's made something wonderful. It's not that, I mean, going through the fact that we had identify what the weakness was and what the strength was and what my weakness is and what his strength is was painful. Words were said, mean things are said. Uh, you go below the belt. You say things that you're like, oh my God, I can't believe I just said that. But you say those things and you're like, but you get through it, right? If you keep doing what you're doing and you can identify, okay, I'm good at this. You're good at that. Why don't I focus on what I'm good at? And you're going to focus at what you're good at. And then we can propel and move forward. Right? So I'm good at the money part. He's good at making the money. I'm good at the better at managing it. So you're going to go make money and I'm going to manage it. And that works, right? It makes us okay. But having one person do everything is too exhausting, right? So some, we have to delegate, we have to delegate. We have to take care of what's important to us. Like some of us are really good at barbecuing, some of us aren't. Some of us are really good at cooking and the other one's better at cooking, but I'm good at cleaning. And I, that's not me, I'm not good at cleaning. My husband's much better at cleaning, I'm better at cooking, whatever. But whatever works for you. But it's getting through the, peer, the fear, it's getting through the identity phase of going, this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm not good at. It's raising the white flag and saying, I'm good at this, you're good at that. Let's make it work together because we can identify that. But the fear of even getting to that place, we have so much fear by, by even saying, you know what? I'm not good at that. Like saying, you know what? I have to tell you, I'm not really good at that. I'm not good at making money. I'm really not. I'm good at managing, but I'm not good at making it. That takes courage, right? To admit that I'm not good at something. I'm not really great at um, painting, okay? I'm good at painting pictures. I'm good at being creative. But when it's like being in the lines, like I'm not a line, I'm not that person. I do not like to color in the lines. I like to go out of the lines. I like to make it bigger or smaller or make a brighter color or whatever. That's me. I don't like to fit in lines. I don't like to fit in circles. I don't like to fit in squares. I'm not, a, I, I've never been good at that. But to be able to admit th that to myself, and say, if you're going to put a parameter around me, I'm probably going to go over that parameter. I'm probably going to do that. It's freeing. Because I don't want to sit here and pretend like I'm going to be something for somebody else. You know, God made us all different individuals. We are not computers. We are not robots. We are not all supposed to be the same. We're not supposed to all think the same. I don't think that, I think that would make life really boring. If what I think is important and somebody else doesn't think it's important, that's okay. Like agreeing to not agree, it's huge, right? It's, a, it's like letting people have the freedom that if you believe something, it's okay. I might not believe the same thing, but I can still respect you as a human being. And I can say that's okay. If you want to believe in Buddha, if you want to believe in Jesus Christ, if you want to be Hindu, if you want to be Muslim, whatever you want to be, if you want to be Jewish, whatever you want to be, it's okay. We're just humans trying to do the best we can do each day. And I think that once we take that humanness out of it, it becomes a problem. And we take the fear part, like, why are we all spinning in all this fear? Okay, why? Because we watch TV and these people that are on TV that we put like, on these pedestals are okay. I, I, it's just, you know, in olden days, the people, the jester was the entertainer. 
person that's on TV, that's on the stage, that's on our movies and all those rest of those things, all those people put their political views out there. Like we think that they're better than us, but they're not any better than us. I know celebrities. I have friends that are celebrities. Guess what? They get up in the morning and they put one pant leg on at the time. When they take a, you know what, in the bathroom, it smells just like everybody else's does. We're all just human. Nobody knows how to do this thing called life except for God. And I don't think anybody walking on this planet is God. I think that that's where we get into trouble is that we put these people on pedestals when we can't. I can't even, you know, I've been sober for a long time and I've put people that are my sponsors, that's what we call them in, in, in my 12-step group, is a sponsor. And that's someone that takes you through that's been, and you know, I would put these people that had more time on me on this place, this pedestal above me. Like I thought, it's like, oh my God, they're so much better than me. Like no one's better than you. We're all the same. We all wake up in the morning and we all, I believe, want to do the best we can do each day. We want to take care of our families. We want to take care of how we are ourselves. We all just want to do the best each day, one day at a time. But because our brains are wired so crazy, and there's how many self-help books out there in the world? You know, we all are wired so differently that, you know, different things work for different people. And I think the number one thing, and this is all my opinion here, this is not the word of God, this is just Elizabeth Chance's opinion, busy Chance's opinion, is that, you know, taking the time to know yourself is so important. So if you've been, like I was, running around for 37 years drunk, I'm just gonna say that, because that's, I mean, I'm not gonna say I was drunk every day. I wasn't, I wasn't drunk every day. I didn't, wasn't an everyday drinker. I was a weekend warrior a lot of times. And if I went out and I drank, I got drunk. But needless to say, anytime you have alcohol in your system or drugs in your system, your brain's kind of, it just gets, it gets fuzzy, right? So taking time, if you decide you've got a problem with alcohol or drugs, you gotta take time to figure out in the very beginning, like don't make anything big rational decisions, right? Just don't make any. Just take the time for yourself and figure out what makes you tick. I didn't know what made me tick. I didn't know that my favorite color was orange and it wasn't green. My favorite color is orange. I didn't know that I really do enjoy going to Episcopal church masses. I do like them. I do like that feeling when I walk into a church and it looks pretty and they're playing pretty music and they're singing. I like all that. I really do. I enjoy that a lot. And I like wearing clothes that make me look good. I do. I like that. I care about my appearance. It's something that I worry about, but I know there's a lot of people who that's the last thing that they worry about. Excuse me. Now I have the dog in the room and they're fighting. And my puppy believes that she sees her other dog, like, and now I'm regressing, but like, it's like, she's Dory from the movie. She's literally like Dory. She's like, Oh my God, there you are. I haven't seen you before. It's so exciting. <laughs> Not to regret, but I did regress. But taking that time to figure out what makes you tick. What makes you work? What makes you like you? What, that's gonna take time. Because falling in love with ourselves is really, 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 really hard. And it's really hard not to play those tapes of yesterday and go to, I am just such a loser. I'm such an asshole. I can't believe I got drunk again. I can't believe I did this again. Oh my God, what's going on with me? Or I'm such a loser in the future. My life is going to be horrible because I'm just a bad person. 
but none of us are bad people, okay? I don't believe that's the truth. I don't believe people are bad. I think we get into situations that rather than taking the time to fall in love with ourselves, we get to that place that we're so full of anxiety, so full of fear, so full of all these crazy adjectives that I could go on and on and on about that I've talked about this whole podcast, that we can't see the forest through the trees. We can't take that time to just be like, you know what? I made some bad choices. I'm going to admit that. I've made a lot of bad choices in my life. But from all those bad choices, I've grown. I've grown. I've learned things that if I didn't make that bad choice, I wouldn't have learned. And some things I learned, I had to take a lot of times doing the same thing over and over again and getting the same results. But I, you know, I'd have to, I did it and then I'd be like, why did I do it again? Why did I do it again? And I beat myself up because why did I do it again? Why did I drink again? Why did I drink again? Well, we're going to drink again if we don't get to that place in our soul. And I believe a lot of us have trauma. Nine out of 10, I'm going to say even more than that. I would like to say 9.9% of us have trauma. And I know that trauma is not, and I've talked about this on, the, on our podcast too before. Trauma for some of us does not mean that we were in a, a war. Trauma could be a little kid that was left alone. It could be something minuscule for someone else, but to you, it's a big deal. And I think you need to honor that. Whatever that trauma was, honor it. You deserve to be say that this wasn't fair and it hurt and then you can let it go you don't have to carry it around forever i promise you you'll be okay if you let it go and be like you know what that sucked it was freaking horrible but i got through it there's some reason god had me get through it and i don't know what god wanted me to learn from it but i learned something and i want to learn more going forward and I want to help other people that have been through similar trauma. Or I just want to say I've been through this trauma in my head or to one other person and then I want to let it go. But I want to live my life. I want to enjoy the beautiful things that are out in the universe for me to enjoy. I want to see beautiful flowers. I want to look at the sky and say there's clouds. I want to realize there's a higher power and it's not me. I want to have a life that's free of being worried about what's going to happen in the next 10 minutes or the next 10 minute, 10 days or the next 10 weeks or the next 10 months. Cause does it really matter? We're all just here right now, right this second. Look at your feet, be where you are. Take a breath. I'm really into going like today. I can tell you today I had this, I saw this neighbor and she didn't really say hi to me. I'm like, Oh my God. What did I do? Why isn't she being nice to me? And then in my head, I'm like sitting here, I'm questioning this in my head. Why do I care? What do I, like, does it even matter? Like, but I could have taken that thought onto many, many, many levels. Like she doesn't like me, why doesn't she like me? And it all comes down to the fear that not everybody's gonna like me. But the reality is, does that matter right now at this moment? No. So I went and I was just like, Elizabeth, stop. Don't go down that road. You don't need to do that today. Take a deep breath. Where are my feet? Where are my eyes? What am I hearing? I can't smell, but if I could, I would be like, what do I smell? I'd just be right here. And then I'm back to where 
I'm right in the center where I need to be. Because us, at least me, I can take these tangents, I can take the fear and take it to a whole new level. I don't wanna do that anymore. I don't wanna live in fear anymore. I don't wanna miss anything anymore. I already missed it because I was a blackout drinker. I don't wanna miss it anymore. I don't want the fear to take over my life. I don't, I, I understand I have it and I understand there's reasons for me to have it, but I understand also that it's like hell to walk around with fear all the time. It's hell to walk through life with shame, remorse, bitterness, sadness, regret. I don't wanna do that anymore. I don't wanna do that anymore. But I have you guys and I have friends and I can reach out to everybody. And I can get honest with myself and say, you know what, I'm not good at everything. I'm not good at a lot of things. There's a lot of things I'm not good at. But there are a lot of things I am good at. And embrace myself for being good at those things. You know, everything's in the eyes of the beholder. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. What other people think about me is none of my business. And I gotta take time to fall in love with me today. No more worrying about everybody else. I got to take care of me. Because if I'm okay, everybody around me is okay. I can't fall in love with somebody else until I love me. So fall in love with you. Take the time. Don't have fear today. I know this sounds so much easier than it is. But it is just, but it's a work in progress. Just keep working towards it. Work towards falling in love with you. Work in to like realizing I don't want to be in fear anymore. I'm going to have faith because faith and fear can't live in the same moment. That's it for today, you guys. It's been really fun. I like coming on here by myself. I do love having my husband on here. It's fun. And I love having my kids and I love having guests. Sometimes it's fun just to be with you guys by myself and say to you all that life is all about getting busy, living sober. It's not about yesterday. It's not about tomorrow. Do whatever works for you to be in the moments taking that deep breath and going, I'm not letting my head go there today. Just maybe not even for this second, maybe not for this minute. And it's going to build, it's going to build, it's going to build. And remember, don't put anybody on a pedestal. The only person that's amazing is God and he's not here. So everybody else, we're all the same. Don't give anybody else credit over you because love you, love you. Took me a long time to fall in love with me. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to end it with this. I put the post-it note on my computer screen. Wherever you go every day, put that post-it note. I had it and it said, I love Elizabeth. And it's like Stuart Smalley from the old Saturday Night Live. I am enough. I love myself enough. And I'm going to fall in love with me today. I am enough. I am enough. And I have done bad things, but I'm not a bad person. I'm not a bad person. So until next time, please reach out, by the way. Reach out to me. Well, if you reach out, I promise I'm going to write you back. Reach out to me at busy, B-I-Z-Z-Y, at busy, B-U-S-Y, livingsober.com. B-I-Z-Z-Y, at B-U-S-Y, livingsober.com. And um, until next time, keep getting busy living sober. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.